This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. It is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to this podcast, thanks for joining us. And I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I mentioned and share it with your fellow Mets fans. If you've been a supporter this whole time, I can't thank you enough for coming along this journey with me that we started a little over a year ago. I really appreciate you continuing your support of the Subway to Shea podcast. And to mention, Subway to Shea is becoming global. This podcast not only is played in the U.S., but also reaches Great Britain, Canada, Australia, Mexico, the Netherlands, Italy, and Colombia. Let's keep that trend growing, because that's truly amazing. No matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week for you Met fans out there. So by going on Apple Podcasts, leaving me a one to five stars, hopefully you're leaving me five stars, and leaving comments in the review section, it can only help me to help make this show better each and every single week. You can also rate the show on Spotify. That's a new feature on the Spotify podcast app or just the Spotify app. And then you can go listen to your podcast there, but you can rate the show. Do me a favor. Give me a rating. It helps this show grow and it could get to more listeners, more Med fans, more baseball fans, more sports fans, whoever wants to listen. You can help by rating the show on Spotify. Make sure to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the Fan Sided Network. You can also read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the Fan Sided Network at Fan Sided. Now, before we start the show, I wanted to thank our guest last week, former New York Mets manager Bobby Valentine. If you haven't listened to the interview, please do. It's really good. We discussed his new book, Valentine's Way, My Adventurous Lives and Times. It's a great read, and you can purchase that book anywhere books are sold. Now, on to this week's show and this week's guest. So let's get started with episode 51 of the Subway to Shea podcast. And joining me now on the Subway to Shea podcast is Rob Pearsall. Rob is the founder and editor-in-chief of MetsLegends.com, your go-to website for anything and everything Mets. Rob, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. 
doing great. We got a nice sunny day here in New York. It's a little cold, but, you know, trying to get through the winter. January is moving on, and we're getting closer and closer to baseball, hopefully. So I'm doing good. Yeah, and let's get that CBA finish. It seems like there's been a little bit of progress, so any progress yep. to me is good progress. You know, I love going back in time, reading, watching, and learning about the Mets past, present, and I came across you and Mets legends, and I just really enjoy your work. I enjoy the graphics you come out with and you put on Instagram. I always do my best to share them on social media if I can, on all my social media handles. Tell my audience a little bit about what Met Legends provides content-wise and how it separates from other Met websites. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much uh, for always supporting us. Uh, you guys are great. We love your stuff too. And uh, yeah, obviously, you know, I, I couldn't do without my my graphic team. They're all really good friends, so it's it's really nice working alongside these guys. And you know, I can't express how much they make our Twitter page, our website, Instagram pop with their graphics. You know, so uh, we have a pinned tweet on our Twitter of all the guys that do graphics for us. So if you guys are listening at home, give them all a follow. They're great guys, great content. But yeah, you know, so Mets Legends is something that was originally called, uh, I had a Twitter account called uh, Random Mets Players. And it was obviously just what it sounded like. I'd think of a guy, post a picture of them, and it got like pretty good reception, but it wasn't really much more than that. So it was like, I would post the picture, I'd get the likes, but I wasn't doing any content beyond that. And then it became inactive. I had stopped doing it, but I had built up a pretty decent following, but I, I had deactivated the account and then really missed it. So I remade it as real Mets legends um, because you hear a lot on Twitter or, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, people calling insignificant Mets uh, legends, you know, but for me, it's, it's kind of a, like a double meaning. Um, so, you know, the first article we published on our site is what is a Mets legend. And I talk about it being uh, like a subject thing. So it can be someone, you know, you think about like, you know, Coup de Sung, who had that crazy hit against Randy Johnson in the Subway series, you know, but it yeah. also could, you know, we also do graphics for, you know, our, our actual legends, you know, David Wright, Tom Seaver. So yeah, it's just, it's just something where I, I, I like to talk about unheralded players and moments or things that people might've forgotten about, but also like, sometimes it's nice to go back and talk about some really popular moments, you know, like Wilmer Flores, home run and his non-trade and everything like that. So that's kind of the mix of what we're doing over there and I'm just trying to uh, separate it from the pack in that I'm trying to present content that you might not see your your average site doing you know talking about things that aren't always the common topic that's going on in Mets land and yeah there are so many Mets legends in there you know now we're getting what 60 years of yep. this team being in baseball being part of MLB you mentioned unheralded who is maybe your favorite or who's the one guy that kind of fits that mold if you have to pick one guy that is the most unheralded met who do you think that guy is oh man an actually good met that i think is the most unheralded is john Orrid. i think that he is probably uh one of the best offensive Mets players in history and uh, I don't think that he gets enough credit just because he wasn't here long enough but you look at his numbers from when he was on the Mets and it's it's second to none I mean he was just he did everything you know he he played a really good first base he didn't stop hitting um, and it would have really been great to have him here for the long for the long term you know but I think he went to Seattle after after he left the Mets where he's he's from the Washington area so you know maybe he wanted to go home and, and play uh, for his home hometown team but uh, yeah definitely 
definitely John Olrood. He's he's one of my favorites. I played first base growing up, so I really like him. It's funny that you brought up John, and I think you're reading my mind because he's the first person I think of too. All everything that you mentioned about him, including you know his defense at first base, was just stellar. He was you know able to kind of mold and lead that group with Alfonso and Ordonez and Ventura. And, you know, on my previous interview, I, I got to interview Bobby Valentine, and he talked about how, you know, important John Olerud was to those teams those couple of years. He always talked about how he helped the left-handed pitchers who struggled with pickoffs. And we all know that, you know, Mike couldn't, you know, Mike Piazza couldn't really get guys out at second. And John Olerud would, you know, shift in front of the runners parallel and was able to throw them off so it was easier for the pitchers to pick them off it was just these little intricacies that John mm -hmm. Olerud provided that I yep. thought you know you're correct I, I think he is the most unheralded player the Mets have had absolutely and uh you gotta love the 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 hard helmet that he wore at first base right especially when the Mets had those uh when they wore the white top hats like the ice cream man yeah hats, like yeah had the, the ice cream man helmet I believe so uh you gotta love that as well yeah that that, that didn't last too long but uh, no. <laughs> that that was a very interesting um, collection of uh, uniforms that the Mets had at that time. They they were doing every they were like the Arizona Diamondbacks at that time. They they had the yep. Snow Whites with the white hat, Snow Whites with the blue hat. Then they had the black hat with the blue bill, the all black hat, the striped mm -hmm. jersey. They had so much going on at Everything. that time. I, I don't know if it was just to try to monetize and try to sell jerseys, but they had so much going on. I wanted to bring you on this week because so much is going on, even though nothing is going on in baseball, so much is going on with the Mets. They're finally starting to honor their history. We saw it last year when uh, at the Hall of Fame, they honored uh, John Matlack, Edgardo Alfonso, Ron Darling. They retired Jerry Kuzman's number. This year, we don't know about the Hall of Fame yet, and we're going to get into that later, but let's start off with Keith Hernandez's number retirement. What were your thoughts on that? Are you a proponent? I, I know a lot of people say, and I, they have that old school thinking of, you know, if if they're not in the Hall of Fame, the actual Hall of Fame, they don't belong in the Mets Hall of Fame or they don't, their name doesn't, you know, need to be retired. That's why we only have Piazza and, and Seaver for so long. And then just recently we got Kuzman. Well, what are your thoughts on Keith Hernandez getting his number retired? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, it was about time. Um, and I know that that was the Mets thing for a long time, especially not retiring numbers unless the guys were in the Hall of Fame. And to a certain extent, I, I get it, but I don't think it's, it's as simple as that, especially with the Mets who are are not as old of a team as I mean they at this point they are I guess but you know I mean you look at the Yankees they have so many numbers retired and they've been around forever but just because a guy's not in the National Baseball Hall of Fame doesn't take away their contributions to the team that they played for and, and honestly with Keith Hernandez specifically you could make the argument and a lot of people do that he should be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame mm -hmm. anyway um, you know we're talking about first basemen we talked about John Oru Keith Hernandez is is probably a sound of defensive first baseman as the Mets have ever had yeah. uh, you know there's that famous play that he had where uh, I forget who they were playing but they dropped down a bunt he like pounced on the ball through to third base and then they rolled the Mets rolled a double play it's like how when was the last time you've ever seen that you know I mean have the Mets even done that
done that since. I don't know. You'd have to check. But yeah, going back to honoring the Mets history, I mean, that 86 team, especially uh, with, with all their flaws they did have, I mean, that's one of the, the best World Series of all time, not just for the Mets, but in baseball history. Um, those guys were so talented and it was just this perfect storm of veterans like Keith Hernandez, like Gary Carter, you know, mixed with these young, exciting players like Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry. Um, and then you just had these guys that, that it all just meshed very well together. So yeah, while while a guy might not be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, I don't think that should take away from having a number retired for a team that they contributed significantly to. You know, David Wright probably won't get into the Hall of Fame. You know, he didn't, I think that if he played a few more years, he probably would have, but his injuries really hampered him. But I think you ask any Mets fan and they're going to say that David Wright should have his number retired. And I think under the Steve Cohen uh, era of Mets baseball, David Wright will have his number retired and rightfully so. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, Keith, like you mentioned before, he definitely, this was a long time coming, he definitely should be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, only because you can even compare it to what we just witnessed this past year with Gil Hodges. If you compare both of their numbers, they're pretty much on par with each other and Keith was a really good defensive first baseman and what was it almost 12 gold gloves five or six with the Mets Mm -hmm. I mean he did it all and and you mentioned that play where he pounced on the ball the funny thing with that play is he throws to third and it's Gary Carter at third base (laughs) yeah that's funny man what a what a crazy set of events and that was I think the the game where um um Ray Knight punched Eric Davis and then they have yep. uh Mc, McDowell and at the outfield and Orozco switching back and forth <laughs> one heck of a game one heck of a play you mentioned the 86 team so I'm gonna bring up a couple of names here want to know if you think that their numbers should be retired too my thoughts were you know Gary Carter Doc Gooden Daryl Strawberry definitely should have their numbers retired I know so many issues happen with with Gooden and Strawberry but I think they're their work on the team, even with all that had went down, I think that those guys transcended the Mets just as much as, you know, Keith Hernandez did. Keith did more. He was the leader. You know, they brought in Carter, and he was like the final piece of the puzzle. But there's something about the homegrown guys, Strawberry, Gooden. You know, Gooden even had, you know, things on him in the city. They had big, uh, what do you call them, um... Pictures. Big tapestry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the big tapestry of him out there. You always would see that when you look back on videos. Strawberry, you know, he was a big deal too at the time when he got drafted and then brought up to the Mets. I think those guys should definitely be retired with their numbers. And then, like you said, David Wright. But I think more David Wright down the line. I would focus on those three. Do you agree with that? So, yeah, I mean, I think that you you make a good point. And especially with the Mets. I mean, you have the two World Series teams, right? And you have, you know, they've been to the World Series five times and you don't hear as much about the 73 team. I mean, they weren't they weren't a team that, that set the world on fire. You know, they kind of just snuck into the playoffs. And I mean, it was a great World Series. I mean, they almost won, um, you know, but, you know, 73 is kind of sandwiched between 69 and 86, which were two magical World Series teams. Um, you know, 2000, you don't really, it's just not as as regarded in the same way as a World Series team, even though those, those 99 
2010 and 2000 Mets were excellent. Um, I mean, really, 69 and 86 are the two most popular teams in Mets history, rightfully so. I mean, they both won the World Series in amazing ways. And, you know, like, you know, Jerry Kuzman, uh, having his number retired, the Mets are going back, you know, they're honoring, you know, some of those 69 guys. And, you know, if you're doing that, you know, if you're trying to focus more on the history, the rich history of your team, you don't win that World Series without Daryl, without Doc obviously without Gary Carter. And I think a lot of Mets fans are in that same thought process of, you know, and and, and I know those numbers, some of those numbers have been given out since. And a lot of Mets fans complain, you know, when, 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 Gooden's number and Keith's number has been given out. I know no one's worn Keith's number in a long time, but I think a lot of people are in that thought process of Dwight, Daryl, Keith, Gary Carter should all have their numbers retired. And it makes sense. I mean, you don't win the World Series without those guys. You know, those are your core guys from that team, um, especially Gary Carter. I mean, I would just, I would love to see his number get retired. It would be such a bittersweet ceremony. I mean, he was just, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the the Once Upon a Time in Queen, Once Upon a Time in Queens documentary that came out oh, several yeah. months ago but just it was you know i mean being born post 86 um you know about those guys but just getting to see it through a different scope and you know learning more about gary carter um in a team that was full of these wild young crass kind of kids um you know carter was like that it was like the yin and yang with him and keith and, and the rest of the team and, um just seeing his number be retired by the team would be so special and i think it would be such a bittersweet thing it'd be such a nice tip of the cap to you know one of the best catchers the Mets have ever had and i also mentioned uh david wright but first for him i think he has to be inducted into the hall of fame before they do anything kind of retiring his number so if they get to carter good and strawberry first then round it out with david wright i think that's kind of the mm-hmm. right direction to go the hall of fame Agreed. we mentioned last year was john matlack Edgar alfonso ron darling i'm gonna ask you who do you think should go into the hall of fame next Oh, that's a good call. I mean, obviously David Wright. Um, that's you know, I, I don't know if that'll be the next person, but I, I think that'll be in short order. I mean, he's been out of the game now for, I mean, 2018 was his last game, so we're coming up on the fourth season without Wright now. Um, so I, I don't think that'll be too far along. Um, so he's definitely my top choice. I'm trying to think of. Uh, Let me throw some names at you. Howard Johnson. Yeah, I mean Howard Johnson, man, he was he was a, a Met forever too, and he did everything. He played all over the place. He was such a fan favorite. I have a little bit of a bias too. I'd love to see Hojo get inducted. I remember when I was seven or eight years old. Um, I, you know, I live right outside New York City, and uh, the closest minor league affiliate to me is the Hudson Valley Renegades, and um, obviously they play in the same you know the same division, same league as the Brooklyn Cyclones. So my parents took me up to a, a Hudson Valley. Renegades Renegades game against the Cyclones and Howard Johnson and Bob Ojeda were both coaches on that team that year. It must have been like 2002, 2003. And Hojo, you know, they got off the bus and he, I guess my dad was like, hey, you know, Hojo, can we please have a picture? And he was like, I'll be right back. I just have to get dressed. I'll come out. I'll sign some autographs. You know, I'll take a picture. You could take a picture of me wearing my my managerial uniform. And so, yeah, sure enough, you know, 15 minutes later or whatever, Hojo came back. I have a picture of it somewhere, but him and I have that picture together he signed a baseball card for me and he was just such a nice nice guy and again another guy who is such an integral part to that 86 team but also just a lot of those those 
late 80s, early 90s teams, especially the early 90s when the Mets were, you know, they kind of dismantled that team. He played on the team for a long time. So I think Hojo would be a great guy to, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And uh, I would love to see that personally. Yeah. And for a long while, when he did take over for Ray Knight and really started getting more playing time, he kind of had some similar stats to what David Wright had for, you know, the, that time David, he was a was he a 30-30 guy? He did a lot, even when, you know, the team kind of took a backseat and, and really couldn't get over the hump again. Hojo was always consistent, so I think he would be a great person to put into the Hall of Fame. Uh, if they're going to go anywhere next, I would personally choose Hojo. I do have some pictures I want to throw at you. I, I really couldn't think of anyone right now from the 69 team or even the 73 team uh, I'm really going to have to do a little more research on those teams back then. But some of the pitchers that I thought of, you know, thinking maybe into the 2000s, Al Leiter, I thought, was one of the best pitchers the Mets had. He was the ace for a while. Sid yep. Fernandez from the 86 team. Oh, yeah. He had a really good run. And I want to yep. throw this one. This might be a little, you know, controversial because he did play in the Bronx. And, you know, maybe he does get mostly remembered for his time with the team that, you know, had won four straight championships. But, you know, to me, David Cohn was a Met, and he had a yeah. really great record as a Met, and I think he would be another one. What are your thoughts on those three guys? Totally, yeah. I mean, Al Leiter, um, I mean, growing up, he was he was like the first real uh, ace that I had been been accustomed to. I mean, he was the guy in that Mets rotation when I was growing up. Um, love, I love Al Leiter. You know, I'm really stoked that Jack Leiter is going to be in the big yeah. leagues in the next few years, hopefully. Um, he has such, such talent. You know, you saw what he did with Vanderbilt, but Al Leiter, absolutely big fan of his. David Cohn, yeah, I mean, especially on like the 88 team, you know, which is a team that a lot of people argue might have even been more talented in some ways than the 86 team. You know, you had a very young David Cohn on that team. And then, who was the third name you mentioned? Sid Fernandez. Oh, yeah, Sid Fernandez. You you look back at some of those 80s teams. Um, I did an article pretty recently for Mets Legends where I was looking at uh, how Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom could be one of the best one-two punches the Mets have seen atop their rotation. So I looked back at who were some of the best one-two punches the Mets have had, you know, going by wins above replacement. And on those 80s teams, Sid Fernandez was usually like the number like two guy like in wins above replacement. It was it was usually like Dwight Gooden and Sid Fernandez and then like David Cohn and Sid Fernandez. So he was a guy too that just really, really good pitcher, um, really important pitcher, um, might not be like the, the sexiest name. You're not going to, you might not be the first, you know, five, 10 players you throw out as important names in Mets history, but he was kind of one of those uh, reliable kind of under the radar guys like we were talking about earlier, who was just so good and, and really just had a rubber arm, went out there, did what the Mets asked. And he was, he was just great, man. Uh, I would love if they honored Sid. Um, another name too, that I thought of while we were talking about this and you could, you know, you could tell me what you think about this too, but Ray Ordonez, I think, would be a great name to, to induct into the Mets Hall of Fame. I mean, I don't think the Mets have had a better defensive shortstop, at least since him, but like maybe ever. I mean, that guy was just incredible. I think the thing that holds him back, though, is the offense. True. If he Absolutely. was, if he at least, you know, provided maybe a little more power or, you know, even hit you know how like Jeter was hitting in New York he, mm -hmm. Jeter wasn't a power guy but he would always you know he'd always get you at average and he'd get the big hits I think that's that's where Ordonez gets penalized almost because he, he never really hit 
but he was one no. of the he he may be the greatest defensive player that I've seen. And growing up, he was my favorite player. Before we got Mike Same. Piazza, Ray Ardonias was my guy. I always loved his defense, and I always would hope for him to come through in a big spot and get a big hit. But he just mm-hmm. he just struggled so much offensively, and mm-hmm. I I don't know if if he would technically get in because then that that would open up the door to a lot of other players too. See, I would personally think, and even for the short time that they were there, you know, John Olerud and Billy mm-hmm. Wagner, who if you oh, look yeah. at Billy Wagner's stats, uh, I know he struggled in the playoffs, but look at that three to four year span he was there. He was an elite closer and he was yes, up there was. in age as well. Mm-hmm. He was great. I mean, he was a guy that you just felt so comfortable with when he came into the game. Like, um, and you know, I, I think Jerry's familia is, you know, one of the best closures the Mets have had too. Um, I know mm-hmm. that he gets he gets a knock on him sometimes. Um, he could be a little bit like nerve wracking. You know, he kind of has that thing where it's like you don't really feel super easy when he would come in always. But he had some great years. I'm not taking that away from him. I think he was a great closer. Yeah. But with Wagner, it was just like you never felt that way. Like he came in and you felt comfortable that he was going to get the job done. And especially for a guy that I just I just loved him so much. You know, he's not he wasn't this big tall strapping guy. He was this little guy who just had a cannon for an arm. He had the pouch of, of chew tobacco in his back pocket, like that little <laughs> can you could always see. You know, a mouthful of chew, and he just whipped the ball in there. And I mean, I, he's he's one of my favorites. He's one of my mom's favorites. She loved Billy Wagner. Uh, and she always says to me still, she's like, the Mets got to get a closer in there like Billy Wagner. And, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the Hall of Fame, he's on the ballot and I think, you know, I'd like to see him get in ultimately. I, he's just, he was just such a great, great closing pitcher. And I'm glad that, that he, he really gelled well with that, that magical 2006 team too. Um, and it, like you said, he was a little bit older when he played for the Mets. Um, you know, he had all those really good years with Houston and then he pitched for the Phillies and he came over to the Mets and he was still, that level of, of consistency was still there. And they really, you know, they really got their bang for their buck when they, when they, when they brought in Billy. Once again, I'm here with Rob Pearsall, founder and editor-in-chief of MetsLegends.com. Well, Rob, Keith Hernandez, he let a little cat out of the bag during his press conference talking about old-timers day coming back. Uh, might come even come back this year. There might be talks about it this year. What are your thoughts on that? I, I've never actually gotten to see one because I was too young, and they had pretty much put the kibosh on that. Everything I've heard about old-timers day was through the Yankees. They would always do it yeah. every year. So I didn't really know <laughs> that the Mets did that at the time. It's great that they're bringing it back. Who would you like to see be a part of it? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, it was always growing up. It was always it always felt like a Yan- like a Yankee thing because they always did it, and the Mets weren't doing it. But I think it's such a good idea, especially like the Mets have had so many characters over the years, and it kind of opens the door for you don't you don't have to have like these major studs uh, necessarily playing in the old timers game. You can ca- you can kind of have this mix of guys. So with that being said, I think, you know, Turk Wendell, I could definitely see coming back for an old timer's day. You know, that would be really cool to see him, especially if he wore his you know, shark tooth necklace and was chewing on some licorice. Oh, he'd definitely um, have to throw the bag on the mound, too. Like, it, yeah, it would have to be he'd have to do it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. It'd be great to see him. Uh, Bartolo Colon, I think you'd have to bring back, even though he wasn't in that super long ago. I think that would be a big draw. Uh, people would love to see Bartolo. John Olrude, I'm going to bring back. Um, I think that he could still yank one. I think that you could definitely 
definitely see him still hitting a home run. He probably still has that, you know, that little pop in his bat. Trying to, I want to like kind of dig deep. I don't want to just say like the like the really popular names. Hey, how about um, Daniel Murphy? Yeah, Daniel right? Murphy would be great too. He, That'd be awesome. He's just been uh, into retirement not too long ago, and you know, yeah. they, they there would be no uh, stopping guys who just previously retired. Obviously, you know, you would want to see the Wrights and the Reyes mm-hmm. and Piazzas come back, and you know, those big names. You know, Carlos Delgado. That's another name I wouldn't mind seeing. Yeah. I don't know if they would bring back Beltran, but that that would be cool too. I, I you know Car- Curtis Granderson, he was a guy yep. that you know the fans kind of grew into at, at the time he was here. Uh, those kind of the names that I would like to see. I, I don't know if Joe McEwing is still coaching with the White Sox, but if they could get him for an uh, afternoon, that would be cool as well. Yeah, one of my favorite guys too. Who's uh, actually the guy that I, I the first like player shirt that I had growing up was uh, Robin Ventura. That'd be it'd be cool to see him come back. I really liked him a lot growing up. Granderson was a guy that I was going to mention as well. I could totally see him, um, and it'd be nice to have him and Murphy back. Cologne, like those guys that were on that 2015 team. Even though it was, I mean, we're coming up on you know we're six and a half years ago now that that was you know the Mets were in the World Series but um, I think that those guys people would be really really happy to have come back you know maybe maybe an Al Leiter comes back too that'd be really cool Rick Reed perhaps I mean you Um, have to have Bobby Bell come back right I mean he has to live up to his contract they should do it on like July 1st and then before (laughs) like in the pregame ceremonies you present Bobby with like one of those giant uh, giant checks that says like one million dollars on it or whatever it is and then cut a ribbon and, and and break, you know, break in old timers day again. Uh, you could kind of knock it out in one fell swoop. Yeah, I don't know how many 60s or 70s guys would, you know, come back maybe to coach or I, I don't know what the status is of some of those guys that still, you know, around and if, if they could participate in some way to even be great to just have a ceremony for those guys, you know, just to be there and totally. uh, have them around. What about, you know, thinking every time I see Daryl Strawberry, I still think he could hit one out of the park. If you yeah. look at his stature, he's still a big dude. Yeah, totally. I mean, that that bat speed goes away over time, but you look at guys like and I know I know Daryl's a little bit older than Gary Sheffield, but there was that video recently, I guess what well, maybe wasn't recently, maybe within the last year or so of Gary Sheffield with his signature like bat wiggle. He was playing like I guess it was essentially looked like batting practice, but he was he was knocking some balls out of the park wherever he was, you know. And um, you know Sheffield's got to be in his fifties now at this point at least, um, you know. So I think you know that power like like it sticks around even if it's not as as you know I don't know if he's going to be I mean it's not possible at City Field you know he, he's not going to be blasting balls into the parking lot like he once did. But I think that you know in an old timer's day you could totally see Dow Strawberry still still tuck one over the fence absolutely i'm looking at some other outfielders here uh, cliff floyd uh yeah. roger Cedeno, uh, ricky roger henderson Stanley. imagine having ricky henderson come back just for uh, uh one more day the ageless wonder he's definitely like he's still definitely got the wheels too i i wouldn't be surprised if he was still quick on his feet and you can bring back billy wagner for one more game to close um mm-hmm. you know mike hampton he, he was the very integral in the 2000 season and the mvp yep. of the nlcs Another guy that I wouldn't mind ha- seeing bringing back. The the possibilities are endless with the, the well, roster yeah, here. You get a you can get a lot of those guys who might not be on Mets Hall of Fame level, retiring their numbers level, but were really good players that were fan favorites. You know, Bobby Jones is another one. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, maybe Rick Aguilera could come back, you know, in some capacity. Um, Even Roger, Roger McDowell, he still looks like he could, yeah. he could throw some heat. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's a lot of, and like you mentioned too, I think it'd be a cool idea if they had like some of these older guys come back as coaches, you know, like Lee Mazzilli maybe, or Dave Kingman, like seeing them in some capacity would be cool. Guys that you're not maybe seeing all the time, but were, were really good, um, you know, or, or, or had a, were integral parts to the team in some capacity over the years. Well, Rob, this this was a fun half hour for me. I really enjoyed you coming on here and discussing this. I thought you were the perfect person since you have this website to, you know, just get it really deep into, you know, honoring the Mets history. Let everyone know where they can find you on social media, you know, the website, everything. Sure. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me on. It was a blast. Uh, really cool content we got to talk about today. So on social media, obviously Twitter, I can be found. My account name is at RT. Pearsall. My last name is spelled P-I-E-R-S-A-L-L. And then our main Twitter account is at Mets Legends, all one word. And give us a follow on Instagram too, um, at Mets period Legends. Um, and then you know we have our podcast as well, the Mets Legends cast, which is on Spotify and all the other platforms in which you would get your podcast. And I always look for some of those great graphics that we talked about earlier on Instagram. That's a huge follow. If you got a follow on Instagram, that's, that's the big one for uh, you yeah. guys. I really enjoy the content you provide there. Rob, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you for coming on. We're definitely yeah, going to do this again someday soon, okay? I really appreciate it, brother. Hey, anytime, man. I'm, I'm always happy to come on, and I would love to have you on my podcast as well. Absolutely. Anytime you need me, I'll be there. All right, man, you have a good cool. one. You take care. Yeah, you too, man. All right, that was Rob Pearsall, founder and editor-in-chief of Mets Legends. Dot com. Make sure to check out all their content on their website, MetsLegends.com, on Instagram and Twitter. Now, my final thoughts before this train leaves the station. The Mets have finalized their coaching staff. I know it happened a week ago, but with the whole interview with Bobby Valentine, I thought, let's take a break from what's going on in baseball, which is not much to begin with because of what's going on with the CBA agreement. But the Mets made some moves. They finalized their coaching staff. Glenn Sherlock returns, and he'll be the bench coach for Buck Showalter. Eric Chavez is coming over to be the hitting coach. Jeremy Hefner returns as the pitching coach. Wayne Kirby will be the first base coach. Joey Cora at third base. Jeremy Barnes, the assistant hitting coach. And Craig Bjornsson, the bullpen coach. Now, Joey Cora will coach the infielders while Wayne Kirby coaches the outfielders. Both will help out with the base running duties. And we all know the Mets struggled last season with base running. So there, hopefully these two will bring a new dynamic to the team. We all know the struggles with Gary D. Sarcina at third. So hopefully with Joey Cora moving to third base, he'll have a little better time, a little more uh, wherewithal to know when to send these runners and help them with scoring some runs. Now, Glenn Sherlock will work with the catchers as well as being the bench coach. Now, I thought they would go with someone young, analytical, to be the next coach to groom, to be the next manager, because we know that Buck Showalter's only going to be here for three years, or he's only signed on for three years at the moment. But maybe the bench coach is not going to be the next manager of the Mets. Maybe they will end up hiring Eric Chavez in the future. 
So we'll see where that goes. We're a long way away from that. So let's just focus on how they put this coaching staff together. And it looks like they really work together on this coaching staff, which I really like. You know, Glenn Sherlock was a catching instructor under Buck during his time as Yankees manager. And then he joined Buck in Arizona when Buck took the Arizona Diamondbacks job and became manager around 1998. The Mets' third base coach and first base coach and catching instructor from 2017 to 2019. If you remember Glenn Sherlock around at that time, that's what he was doing with the Mets. Wayne Kirby was with Buck Walter in his entire tenure when he was the Baltimore Orioles manager from 2011 to 2018. He also has a little bit of a Met background. He played his final season in 1998 with the Mets. Joey Cora comes from Pittsburgh, where he was the third base coach from 2017 to 2021. He also has a little bit of Mets history, coached in the Mets minor league system, and has been eyed for a coaching position for a while with the Mets organization. Good to finally bring him aboard. Let's get to Eric Chavez, who was hired a few weeks before to be the Yankees assistant coach. He will now be taking the seven train to Queens to be the Mets hitting coach. This is allowed because it's seen as a promotion. And I know that Brian Cashman and Billy Epler worked that out. Chavez worked as a special assistant to Brian Cashman and Billy Epler in 2015, and then Billy Epler brought Eric Chavez to Anaheim when he became the GM of the Angels a year later. One last thing before we wrap up here on a somber note, rest in peace to Jeff Ennis, former Mets pitcher. He died after a long battle with cancer at the age of 59. He played his whole career as a Met out of the New York Mets bullpen from 1987 all the way to 1993. He was 10-20, and 20, but a 3.05 ERA, five saves in 360 innings. He also struck out 192 batters, so he was a stalwart in the Mets bullpen for seven years. We lost a good guy. I know that I heard him always being around during the fantasy camp and uh, definitely a Mets alumni member. Uh, Rest in peace to Jeff Ennis. And that's going to pretty much wrap up the show today. I don't know what's going to come down the line in regards to episodes, especially with this situation with the Major League Baseball Player Association and Major League Baseball struggling to come to some kind of agreement on the CBA. It doesn't seem like they want to work together or spend more than 10 minutes in a room together. I don't know why they can't be working around the clock all day and night to try to get this deal done but we're going to continue to try to put as much programming as possible during this podcast whether there's baseball or not I'm going to do my best to get stuff out to you like I really enjoyed doing the Bobby Valentine interview maybe we could do more stuff like that more book stuff uh, more historical stuff and uh, I like the talk that we did today with Rob Pearsall from MetsLegends.com so we'll definitely be coming up with some stuff as the weeks go on and hopefully hopefully they can get this thing solved and we can get baseball going because we are not too far away from the start of well, what is supposed to be the start of spring training so we'll see maybe they can come to a last minute deal I don't know maybe the season gets shorter it's just very sad to see that baseball still doesn't get it and you know they don't know how to really push this sport and make it more popular I mean they're really struggling here and this doesn't help at all but hopefully they can come to a deal we can get back to seeing these guys on the field at the stadium and just enjoying a good old game of 
Major League Baseball. Please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week for you Met fans out there. So by going on Apple Podcasts, rating the show from one to five stars, hopefully you're giving me five stars, and then commenting. Commenting in that review section helps a lot. Let's me know what you think because I want to make this show better each and every week for you guys out there. And by doing all that, it really helps this show grow. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. Also, I'm a contributor for Rising Apple, a New York Mets site on the fan side and network. You can check out my articles for Rising Apple as I will leave the links in the description of this episode. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple blog. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. You all know that already. Well, that will do it for this week's Subway to Shape podcast. Always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Let's go Mets. <laughs>